And I was so excited. <laughs> and then they told me, you can't share anything that is said. You know, they said, you know, what happens in the van stays in the van. Well, that was okay, too, because they just fit right into my sermon. Because they didn't want me to share those things with you because they were afraid of what I was going to say. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Your fears. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of the future and what it might or might not hold? If I was getting ready to go into the Marines... I would be very concerned about that. Are you afraid about some of the struggles that you're facing today? Not having a job. That's a pretty big struggle, isn't it? That's something that we would be fearful about. I know that some here today are worried and questioning what's going to happen to the church because we don't have a pastor. In fact, this morning, I heard just a very small child turn to an adult and ask that very question. Who's going to be our pastor? So we all have things that are bothering us. And so today, my question for you is, what's got you running scared? There's a very popular song to most of us. It's an older song. It's in our hymnal. And the words go like this. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and I long for heaven and home? With Jesus as my portion, a constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Well, most of us know that the basis for that song comes from the words of Jesus. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Matthew. We want to look and see what Jesus was saying. We're going to be in Matthew 10. Jesus was speaking these words as he was preparing the disciples to go out into the world and share the love of God. And yet he was telling them that there were going to be some troubles. There were going to be some difficulties. And yes, there would even be reasons that they would be very afraid. Matthew 10, let's begin in verse 28. And it says this, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body that cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus here is using some very simple word pictures and an analogy about sparrows and the hairs on our head to demonstrate some very important spiritual truths. I think there are three of them in this passage that I want us to look at together this morning. 
But Jesus is telling the disciples then the same thing that he's telling us today. Don't be afraid. That's how he began that passage, and that's how he ended that passage. What is it that you are afraid of today, my friend? Because Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. I've got it under control. The first thing that we see in this passage is that I'm not afraid because the worst thing that can happen to me in, is death of my body. And yet, I have an eternal soul. If we were to read earlier in verses in, in chapter 10, we'd see that Jesus had told the disciples that they were going to be like sheep going out into the midst of wolves. I don't hear too many stories where that has a happy ending. Jesus wants them to know, though, that while they're going to face these difficulties, that he is with them, and he's going to be with them always and give them power to overcome. I don't know why it is, but it seems to me like as Christians, we kind of have this expectation that, well, I'm a Christian, so nothing bad will happen to me. And that's not at all what Scripture tells us. Jesus here is telling the disciples, listen, you're going to face some tough times. There are people out there who are going to hate you. There are people out there who are going to try and have you killed. And yet, I want you to remember that I'm going to give you power and strength and faith to sustain you no matter what comes your way. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be with you when you are running scared. Fear is a pretty strong emotion, isn't it? Fear can be very crippling. It can incapacitate us. That Greek word for fear is phobos. And scientists have discovered that there are about uh, over 250 different phobias. I want to share with you Psychology Today named the five fears that Americans are most frightened of. Some of you probably will understand some of these fears. The first one is arachnophobia, the fear of spiders. Just this past week, I had a, a friend from college who told that she and her husband had been trapped in their house for two days. The reason was there was a big spider building a big web in their doorway, and they were afraid to go out the door. Now, if you're not afraid of spiders, that seems kind of silly, doesn't it? But if you're one that is afraid of spiders, you understand everything she's talking about. Another one that we're afraid of is called glossophobia, the fear of speaking in public. Lisa alluded to this last week. It's a very real fear for some people. Now, that's not a picture of Lisa up there, legs shaking, but for some people, that is very, very real. There's also the fear of aerophobia, the fear of flying. If you've done much flying, you have probably been on an airplane and you have seen one or two people who look like this lady 
They are not sure that they want to get on this plane and go. Another one is claustrophobia, the fear of confined spaces. And then there's acrophobia, the fear of heights. These kids in this picture are actually the the, uh, children of a friend of mine from high school. They're standing on a glass ledge outside of the former Sears Tower in Chicago. Some of us don't want to look down when we get up real high, do we? I would not get on that glass platform, I can tell you that right now. So those are the five fears that most Americans have. But I'm here to tell you today there is one more that's not on the psychology today list. That is called boogophobia. That is fear of the boogeyman under your bed. Let me just give you a tip. If you stuff enough blankets under your bed, then there's no room for the boogeyman to get there. I know. I know. I don't worry about spiders, but the boogeyman, he'll get you. But Jesus wasn't talking about any of these fears when he was talking to his disciples that day. Jesus said, Don't be afraid of those who kill the body. The disciples were not to be afraid even when they were staring death in the face. If you think again about those five fears from psychology today, that the fear of spiders, the fear of public speaking, the fear of flying, the fear of confined spaces, and the fear of heights, what is it that is the common thread through all of those fears? Well, it's the fear of death. We fear spiders because we've heard of people who have been bitten by a poisonous spider and they die. We aren't afraid of flying. We're afraid of crashing. Because for most of us, crashing in an airplane equals death, doesn't it? That scares us. We aren't afraid of close spaces. We're afraid of suffocating. And suffocating is pretty much like crashing. It's probably going to be death. The only one of those top five fears that don't affect us physically, that aren't a threat to our physical well-being, is that fear of speaking. And yet, some people would rather die than have to get up in front of a group of people. It is a real thing, isn't it? But what Jesus says to his disciples is this, don't be afraid because the worst thing that they can do is kill you. And then he continues on and he says, Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. In other words, Jesus is telling us that we need to fear God. The worst that man can do do to us is not anywhere any kind of a match to the worst 
that God can do to us. So what does he mean there? Are we supposed to run around and and be frightened? Maybe crawl under the bed and get rid of the boogeyman? No, he's saying there's a different kind of fear that we have for God. When you think about our worship time together, whether you think about this corporate body at worship or if you're thinking about worship just in your own private time. When we worship God, what we're really doing is acknowledging the greatness of God. And we're acknowledging the fact that he created all of us. He has done a wonderful thing. And one of the responses when we are focusing on God is that we begin to have a tremendous reverence for him and we respect him for who he is. That's the kind of fear of God that we're supposed to have. And so when we are gripped by fear, we need to remember that the God we worship not only created everything that we see, created us as well, but he also defeated death itself. We don't have to fear him. Usually, our fears come when we are focusing on ourselves. And that's when that fear steps in. But God has the power to help us overcome anything that we are worried about, that we are upset about. The power of the resurrection is available to each one of us, and it will help us to overcome whatever that fear might be. I heard about a gentleman named Bob Garfield. Bob Garfield was a Christian businessman. He oftentimes had to travel in many places around the world. And at one particular business trip he had taken, he was in South Korea. He had met all day long with uh, other business people. That night they had gone out to eat and they had had a large meal. And he had gone back to his hotel room to, to get ready for bed. And as he was beginning to get ready for bed, he began to experience crushing chest pains. He said that they went down his arm, they went down his back, He was not a dumb man. He knew that that meant one of two things. Either he was experiencing a heart attack or he had a terrible gas pain. And he says, how do you know the difference? And that's true, isn't it? Well, he thought about calling for some help. But he knew that that was not going to be an easy thing to do. He didn't speak Korean, and the people at the front desk had had a very difficult time with English. And so he knew that there was going to be a lot of chaos involved with this. And also because if it wasn't a heart attack and it was the other, he knew there was going to be a lot of embarrassment. And so Bob Garfield that night decided that he would take his chances. He sat down at the desk in the hotel room and he actually wrote a farewell letter to his family because he didn't know whether he was going to make it through the night. And he finally got ready and he went to bed and he said, I remember thinking and saying to myself, go to sleep, Bob. Maybe you'll wake up in the morning. Well, he did. 
And he was overjoyed by the fact that he had made it through the night and was awake the next day. But he says, I was not overjoyed because I hadn't died. I was overjoyed because I had a peace about the possibility that I might die. He said, and that kind of peace can only come when we remember who God is and turn ourselves over to the hand of God. You know, there are all kinds of verses in the Bible that talk and encourage us not to be afraid. I think a favorite of many of us is this one found in Psalms 27.1. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You see, today Jesus is reassuring us that you don't have to fear death because the worst thing that happened, the worst thing that can happen to you in this life is the death of your body. But guess what? You still have an eternal soul, and our eternal soul is going to go on forever long after this tent is gone. Jesus says there's only one thing to fear. He says that we need to have that reverent awe for God because God has the power to destroy both the body and the soul. To fear God is the beginning of wisdom, Scripture says. But fearing God doesn't mean cringing in terror, but it means that we have that loving respect for him. Surveys show that most Americans believe in heaven. And most of those people who believe that also believe that they're going to go there. There is a very small percentage of people who actually believe that there's a hell. But Jesus says there is a hell. And we should be concerned about it. The very reason that we share our faith with other people is because we don't want anyone to have to experience hell. We want them instead to be able to spend time with God, not to be separated from him. So we don't have to fear what someone else might do to us. Proverbs 29.25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Friends, I am not trying to trivialize your fears today because those fears are very real. But what I want you to realize is that we have a God who has the power to overcome whatever fear we might have. The next thing that I think that we find in this passage is this. I'm not afraid because if God cares enough to number my hairs, he cares about the other details of my life. Have you ever stopped to think about the fact that it's the same God who put the stars in place that created you and he loves you. He cares 
greatly for you. In fact, he cares so much for you that he has numbered the hairs on your head. Now let me ask you a question. Anybody can answer this except bald people. How many hairs are on your head? Well, did you know that there's actually a science that looks at that? And they have counted hairs on heads. And these are the statistics. If you are a blonde, a natural blonde, so that knocks some of you out. But if you are a natural blonde, you have on average 145,000 hairs on your head. If you are a brunette or have very dark hair, you have about 120 hairs on your head. And if you're a redhead, again, a natural redhead, that lets me out. But if you are a redhead, you only have about 90,000 hairs on your head. If God can number something as trivial as how many hairs are on our head, then that means that he cares about every little trivial thing in our life. There is nothing that we can hide from him. He knows it all. First Peter 5.7 says to cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know, some of us sometimes think that there are things that come into our life that we're worried about and wondering about, and we think, oh, well, I can't, can't talk to God about that. I can't bother him with something like that. You know, it, it's nothing. But God is saying, if it bothers you, then it concerns me because I love you that much. So my friends, there is nothing too trivial for us to pray about. Look again at verse 30. Even the very hairs of your head are numbered. That does not say that God knows how many hairs are on your head because it's been proven that a scientist can figure that out. Jesus says that every hair is numbered and God knows one from the other. He knows the difference between hair number 222 and hair number 9,500. I want to tell you, I have had my share of haircuts during my lifetime. But never once have I been sitting at the hairdresser's and she looks at my hair and says, Oh, Louise, hair 947. You've got split ends on that. Has that happened to any of you? No. Sarah, do you do that when you're... No. No, that doesn't happen. But God knows. God knows the difference. And he cares about every one of those hairs. It doesn't matter what color it is. It doesn't matter if it's thin. He doesn't care. He just knows that he loves you. And he cares for you. And so he says to you, 
don't be afraid. I've got this all under control. So we have looked at the fact that we don't need to be afraid because the worst thing that can happen to us in this life is the death of our body, but we have an eternal soul. We don't have to be afraid because if God knows enough how many uh, uh, to number the hairs of my head, he cares about every detail of my life. And then the third thing that I think that we see here is I am not afraid because if God cares about a sparrow when it falls, he won't stop loving me when I fail him. You know, sparrows, they're one of the most common birds in the world. There's, well, wherever you find people, pretty much you find sparrows, especially if you have a bird feeder, because they like that food. They're scavengers. They're the birds that will hop up to the picnic table when you're out there eating, and they want you to share something with them. So why did Jesus talk about sparrows? I mean, why didn't he talk about eagles or cardinals or something that's pretty to look at. Well, first of all, I think he talked about them because they were very common. Everybody knew sparrows. They, the, the poorest of the poor, when it was time to make a sacrifice, they maybe couldn't afford to buy a goat or a bull or whatever, but they could come up with sparrows to take as a sacrifice Nobody thought much about them. They weren't considered to be worth very much. And you know, that's kind of still today. That's true, isn't it? When we hang that bird feeder, what are we looking for? We're wanting the cardinals and the finches and the hummingbirds to come come to it. I get upset when I see the sparrows out there eating that food that I've put out for those other birds. But Jesus is saying here that God notices. God notices when sparrows fall. And some commentators say that that doesn't just mean when they fall out of the sky dead, but that God knows when they swoop down and land on the ground and hop around looking for food. God cares that much. He places that much value on sparrows. So Jesus is saying, if God cares that much about sparrows, think about how much he values you. Because he says you are worth more than the sparrows. The Bible says the Lord, if the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for he upholds him with his hand. Think for a moment about your children when they're just learning to walk. I think back when our girls, Ellen and Ashley, were that age. And, you know, it's a process. You don't just say, okay, honey, there's the sidewalk. Walk down to the end of it and then come back to me. No, we we take a hold of their little hands and we help them walk first, holding on to them. And then as part of that process, 
We let go of their hands and we let them try it on their own. And what happens? They fall flat. And what do we do? <laughs> well, that was stupid. I, I can't believe I've got a child who can't walk. I'll probably have to carry you into kindergarten. You're just never going to get this. No, that's not what we do, is it? We rush over to them and we pick them up and we help them try it again and again and again and again until they can walk on their own. And do you know that you and I, spiritually speaking, are just like those toddlers learning to walk? We are going to stumble And we're going to fall and we're going to fail. But God is right there ready to catch us just like we catch our children. And when we stumble, he grabs a hold of us just a little tighter. And when we begin to fall, we know that we need to reach out and grab a hold of him again. And he is going to carry us through he watches over the sparrows he will watch over you and i the one that recognizes the hairs on your head the one that hears you crying through the night the one that knows your heartbreak the one that knows your confusion he's able to use those trials and those difficult circumstances to accomplish his purposes. Joni Erickson Tata once said this, Nothing is a surprise to God. Nothing is a setback to his plans. Nothing can thwart his purposes. And nothing is beyond his control. That's true, isn't it? He knows And he cares. There are many times in the Bible when God says, do not be afraid. Do you know how many times he says that? God says, do not be afraid every time you're afraid. That's his response every time. God didn't bring you this far to leave you. You've heard that. And God didn't bring you this far to only bring you this far. He does not want us to stay in the midst of our fears, but he wants us to reach out to him. He wants us to trust him. If his eye is on the sparrow, we can say, I know. He's watching over me. So let me ask you that question again. What is it today that you're frightened of? What is it that has you running scared this morning? You know, maybe it's not a big thing. It doesn't matter. God cares. Even about those little concerns that we have. Jesus knows And he cares and he loves us. We can have the same peace that Bob Garfield had that night in that motel room in South South Korea. We can know 
that we can face whatever our fears are, even death, we can face it and we can be assured that God knows all about it and that he is watching over us. Do not be afraid. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, I know today that most every one of us has something that is a concern. Maybe it's not something that we would classify as fear, or maybe it is. But Father, thank you for your reassurance that no matter what we face in this life, that you know about it, and you care about it, and you love us, and you value us. Thank you, Father, for that promise, that reassurance, and that hope. Help us, Lord, to remember that all the time. We ask this in your name. Amen.